We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events, we're always writing articles, but when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen. You can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. All right, so we had a crazy packed weekend of MMA and wrestling. The wrestling, everyone went over to Andreas's crib to watch. Thank you for the hospitality. Yeah, man. Glad y'all enjoyed. Yes, it was dope. Good food. Good wrestling over the weekend. Uh, We were on a freeze from NXT, which was quite difficult. But we were on the freeze because we went and we had to cover UFC 202. Yeah, man, it was a busy week. Um, I don't know, man. I was burnt out by the end of the week. So much wrestling and MMA. Sorry, boxing. You get no love this week. But, yeah. We only had one thing, right? Errol Spence. 
Yeah, yeah, we could talk about Arrow a little bit later. There's really yeah. nothing else to talk about no, in boxing. Nothing at all. Boxing's on a hiatus. It can take the back seat. Let's talk about UFC 202 first and foremost. Um, actually, there was one thing I wanted to ask you. I'm getting sidetracked. Before we go into the combat sports and everything, I saw your hot takes on Twitter about your article that's about to drop. It might drop by the time people hear this on Two Dope Boys about Frank Ocean's album. It's a yeah. classic or not? Nah? Like, <sighs> you are after man. people's heads again. Yeah, we're doing this again, man. I mean, Frank Ocean's album dropped over the weekend while we were covering UFC 202. Um, and it was deemed a classic. It has the second highest Metacritic rating aside from Beyonce's Lemonade album. And that's just mind-blowing to me. After three days that it could have that many high ratings and that many high takes of it being a classic. Not to say that it's not or it is. I personally, you know, after a few listens, I think it's really good. I just don't think it's a classic. I think it's absurd to say that after a couple of days. But, man, I don't know. I don't know how these how cats keep doing this. Uh, you know, <laughs> I've, I've written my piece on microwave journalism in the past. I feel like it's happening again. Um, Frank Ocean's album is a lot to take in upon multiple listens. I'll, I'll be honest. The first about four or five times I listened to it, I was like, eh, it's cool. And then it was like, I think... Sometime yesterday afternoon, I started. I was listening to uh, "Nights," which is my favorite song on the album by far. It's in two parts, sim- similar to uh, what was that "Pyramids" on the first on Channel Orange, but it tells like the same story twice in two different tones and voices. And it, it, when the song splits, it's literally the middle of the album. So conceptually, it's really dope. Um, and there's other moments like that. I mean, obviously, everybody's stand-up verse of Andre 3000 on so- the solo reprise, and um, pe- you know. Uh, what else is there? Nikes is dope. Has a lot of great stuff on there. It's got a lot to take in. I just don't understand how people can say something as a classic when you listen to it for a couple of days. That's that's bizarre. Like I feel like in this, and you know what? I'll, I'll kind of give away my piece a little bit. There's a there's a there's a part in my uh, my column where I'm talking about how writing review these days on a on a super hyped album is like having sex with a woman that you've been going after for a long time and you bust prematurely. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like... That's get, the real deal right there. <laughs> it's like you get crazy. It's like, I, I, it's, I don't know what to call it. It's like a boner review. I don't know what to call it. Blue balls review. It's like you wait so long for this album to come out or you wait so long to bed this girl that when you finally do, you're so excited and then you just kind of bust all over your keyboard prematurely like it's the best thing ever. But you need to tap that ass a few more times to really know if it's that good or not. But that's what we do with these reviews. We get so excited that we want to get in it. And if it's, if it's a little bit better than what we expected, we deem it a class. Like, we bump up the rating. That hype gives it an extra bump. If it's not as good as we expected, we trash it. We call it the worst ever. It's like, that's, that's the worst vagina I've ever had. You know what I'm saying? Like, you waited all this time. You're like, man, she's terrible. She might not be terrible. It just might be a bad first experience. Now, if you had to write about your first experience, it's going to be... Blown up. It's going to be blown out of proportion. It's not going to be what it should be if you settle down with it a few more times. So that's kind of like what my piece is about. I'm also reviewing the album, but I'm just kind of tired of these cats with these hot takes, man. It's like, why can't you take your time with the album? Unfortunately, we're not in an era where us as journalists get the music before everybody else. We all get it at the same time. But why not just take an extra week to review it? But I guess everybody wants these hot clicks. These clicks are what's popping in the streets. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have to go after the clicks, I guess. There's there's a right way and a wrong way to write immediate reaction pieces. And to me, you can write 
it from the perspective of as you know I'm listening to it for the first time does it you know live up to my expectation is this the sound that I was expecting so on and so forth and then come back and write a review like a full review on the album um so you know there's ways to get your, your quick clicks and then come back and really delve into the hardcore issues expressed in the album or whatever I did a Harry Potter book review and Ryan McKinnell Big Mac, uh, who's on the show, uh, <laughs> lit up our group chat, called me a microwave journalist. He was making fun of me a little bit because um, the review came out. Let's see. I put it out probably 40 minutes after I was done with the book. Um, but it was, you know, no spoilers. I didn't get into the hardcore aspects of the book. It was just this is how it compares to the old books. This is some of the stuff they bought back. Um, this is some of the things you should look for while reading the book the tone, how it changed, and I gave no really hardcore opinion. Like, I didn't call it a classic. I didn't say anything else. I just said, this is what you should look for. This is some themes that carry over. These are some of the things that differ, and there you go. Immediate peace. Now, if I wanted to go back and review it, I could go back because I've read it four times already. So that's what people should do. They don't do it, though. Like you said, no. that that analogy is incredible. Um, it's <laughs> Frank Ocean is a... His album's an Instagram chick. For for all purposes now, like, people just hop on, and as soon as it's hot, it's hot. And you don't want to be the only one saying, you know, that it's not, or that, you know, you're taking your time. It's, you got to ride the wave, I guess, for a lot of these journalists, um, which isn't the right way to do it. I think you get further with putting out quality than rushing through. The, The quality rises to the top. Yeah, well, you know, there's a lot of there's the other thing that there's a lot of writers who are real fancy, and I call them fancy because they have a way with words, and they write good reviews, but they're still stuffed with hyperbole at the end of the day because you're just looking at a situation where I don't care how colorful your writing is, you know, it's really hard to deem something a classic within a few within a day because, like I said, when the first four or five times I listened to this album, I was really like, man, this is the definition of mid. I'm like, this is not. This is not really grabbing me. Like, Channel Orange grabbed me. I remember listening to Channel Orange. I was driving to Comic-Con, I believe. And I listened to that album the entire drive. You know, the entire five-and-a-half-hour drive from Vegas to San Diego. And I was like, I was hooked. I was like, this is amazing. But I need to listen to it a few more times after I was done with that drive. That's that initial feeling wore off. I wanted to go back to it and listen to it again. These days, it's just like, what you hear is like, like Beyonce's Lemonade. I want to know how many people are really bumping Beyonce's Lemonade like that right now. In terms of a classic album, you know, lasting appeal. It's not a bad album. And that's, you know, people are going to think I'm going to be shitting on Frank's Ocean album. I'm not doing that. I'm really just pointing out the fact that people are too caught up with trying to ride the wave or trying to be a part of something that the, it doesn't do any service to the artistry. Frank Ocean took four years to make this album. And we're reviewing it in, in less than four days and calling it a classic. We're not really doing his artistry a service. That's just my humble opinion. Um, and it won't be so humble when I put the piece out. But... It is what it is. You know, I'm, I'm just trying to call a spade a spade. I just wish people would take their time with reviewing albums. I like what DJ Booth does. My, you know, shout out to DJ Z over at DJ Booth. They do, the, you know, they do a review of their first listen. But it, it, doesn't have a, it doesn't have a rating. It just talks about their feelings after listening to it the, for the first time. You could review it again later after that. I just feel like you should hold out your reviews because it's not going to affect sales, really. Um, everybody's streaming these days. And the, and the whole sales model has changed. So why not wait a week 
before you write your colorful review deeming something as the most amazing thing since sliced bread. Just kind of relax. Well, because then people would have to compete with actual journalists. Well, they, nobody wants to do that. But I mean, so, these, I are, mean like, these are actual journalists doing this. This is not like it's just a bunch of bloggers doing it. These are actual outlets, you know, doing this. And, you know, cats are going to come at me. I already know what it is. When I write this piece, just like last time, cats came at me. No, but like, it, you, even real outlets, it's tough. I, I don't want to say it's tough. I mean, I enjoy doing it. But if you wait four or five days, everyone now has an educated opinion. So now you're going toe-to-toe with other people who are great writers on your subject. And now you have to give readers a reason to, you know, speak about yours. you got to create a clever angle. Or you really have to be a really, really unique and different writer and use your voice. When you put it out quickly, it just gets caught up in the hype and you'll get the clicks. You'll get the reads. So taking your time, it's like they have to compete with your piece. So now whose piece is going to get talking about more? Probably yours. And then they're going to read yours and be like, yo, is his better than mine? Readers are going to read it and compare it to yours after four or five days. When you put it out immediately, you get lost in a cycle. No one's comparing anything. Everything, everyone's just going with the flow. Uh, UFC is the same way. When we, we all write for different UFC outlets. And we all cover relatively the same stories. So when we wait and we put out an article, like if we preview Nate Diaz versus Conor McGregor, it's cool, but you have to really have a good opinion, a good take, and something fresh for it to be memorable in people's minds. For example, you know, Yahoo did one, Sheridan, everyone did a piece, and I wrote a piece for BSO. People are like, who cares about BSO as far as combat sports? But I wrote mine, and it was about Conor McGregor using leg kicks and yeah. how to beat Nate Diaz. And then when the shit happens in the fight, which we'll talk about here in a second, everyone's like, yo, Kel actually wrote this. It's like, yeah, because when you take your time, and as long as it's good, it stands up over time. A lot of people are scared of that. Yeah, nobody wants nobody wants to stand up to the test. No one wants nobody to put in the work. Nah. That's the key. People don't want to put in the work. Like, I watched, what, three days worth of film to write that piece. People don't want to do that. I had to borrow someone's fight pass password. Shout out to UFC. I don't get one for free. <laughs> so I had to do that to watch all these fights and YouTube stuff. People don't want to put it at work musically either. They don't want to, you know, spend a week listening to it like you do, running it back 12, 14 times. Music is different. Journalism is different. Life is different. People aren't used to putting in the work, the grind anymore. Yeah, that's how it goes, man. So, you know, the piece will drop later this week. Um, I was writing some of it last night while doing some other things, but How does it compare to Nostalgia Ultra? Um, Your opinion. I, I really enjoy Nostalgia Ultra, but... The, there's a difference between the two because there's like this album Blonde is very insulated and what I mean by that is it felt like Frank isolated himself from the world and wasn't influenced by his stardom wasn't influenced by what was going on around him like he kind of did what he wanted to do and created this this album that works in this vacuum where it's just him and his like in his in his keyboard at times or it's just him and and his vocals or it's, it's him and his emotions a lot of the time Nostalgia Ultra wasn't really like that. You know, it borrowed a lot from, like, you know, sample from Coldplay and for other people and did some cover songs. Um, still dope, but uh, like, this is just a different listening experience. It, it is very visceral. It's, it, there's, a lot, there's a lot to take in with this album. Like I said, listening at nights, I was like, yo, this is, there's a lot of layers on here that he's, like, peeling off. You know, he talks about, you know, his bisexuality. He talks about relationships. He talks about a, a lot of things, but 
his delivery, the way that he handles um, how he delivers his vocals. And again, I keep referring back to Nights. When you listen to the two parts of Nights, one is very um, semi-aggressive, uh, kind of boastful, and the other one's a little bit resentful, and not resentful, a little more apologetic of how he handled a relationship. But it's, it's almost, it's not the same exact lyrics, but the way that they're delivered is different. So it's just a lot to take in. Um, right now, I'm going to say it's on par. I still don't think it's better than Channel Orange, but although I think it's a, it's a little bit deeper than Channel Orange. Um, it's like watching a movie that's heavy on dialogue and not, not a whole lot of action. And you got to really soak that in. So it's good. I, I enjoyed it. Not bad. All right, let's talk about UFC 202 then, because that's what the people came here for. We touched Sir. on a couple of things there. Um since we're comparing things, UFC 202 better than 200? Hell yeah. I mean, this no, there's, there's absolutely no doubt about it. 202 was... in 202, the main card, with the exception of McGregor Diaz, which will, will go down as one of the best fights in recent memory. I don't know if it's the best fight ever. Like, some, there's that hyperbole shit again. But no, I mean, that's not... It's not Lawler versus McDonald. It, it's not Lawler versus McDonald. It's not even Lawler versus Condit. But it was really good. But... There were the, the main card was all finishes, and the last fight on the prelim was a finish with Cody Garbrandt flattening Mitsugaki. Um, and then we had a couple of shockers with Lorenzo Larkin taking out Neil Magny, um, and we had the, the debut of Mike Perry. I mean, this was a good card. Like, in terms of excitement, this was really good. This was a lot better than 200. 200 was kind of trash when you think about it in hindsight. No, yeah, it wasn't good. This is what 200 was supposed to be. And, yeah. you know, Mystic Mac strikes again. He was like, this is the real UFC 200. He said it that week. And the entire card, it it did exactly what they wanted to do. UFC 200 wanted to build a young star. They put, um, you know, some younger people on the Fox 1 prelims. Who was there? I mean, what we had on the, on the Fox prelims before, well, you, the Fight Pass prelims or the Fox prelims? Fox, uh, FS1 prelims. Well, you had oh, Cody, it was, Cody Garbrandt, obviously. Yeah, Rocky Pennington. No, I mean, in Ar- 200. Oh, 200. Um, that was, I mean, that car was Oh, they so had saved Northcutt. Yeah, that That's car was That's who was supposed to be the star and get the monster knockout and showcase his skills, and he got a lackluster decision. This time, they put Cody Garbrandt in the spot, the guy they wanted to be the next star, and he takes a guy out in the first round. Tough-ass guy. Mr. Yeah. Garbrandt, he's no joke. And uh, we, shit, I gave him to the second round. You thought it might go to a decision. When we picked it last time, nope. Garbrandt got him out of here quick and easy. Yeah, I mean, faster than Dominic Cruz did. And I guess we can start there when we talk about 202. Um, Garbrandt has once again, I mean, I've been singing his praises since the beginning, but this dude is a savage. And unfortunately for TJ Dillashaw, this may mean that Cody Garbrandt gets the next title shot, which I think is completely unfair, but I think it's going to happen. No, it's fair. TJ had his shot. You you don't want to just retread people with Dominic Cruz. One, Dominic Cruz can get injured at any time. You give the biggest fights to Dominic Cruz possible. TJ, it's cool. He lost. He got, you know, he rebounded nicely. But we've seen that fight. Let's give someone else the opportunity. I think the UFC has been doing that a lot lately. And that's why we see belts changing hands more often. Because even like Tyron Woodley, it's like, yo, he shouldn't get this shot. He sat out for all this time. They're like, you know what? We don't want to see a retread. We can put Condit back in there with Lawler. But why? Let's give a different matchup. Let's just see what happens. And boom, Woodley wins. Belt changes hands. So yeah, then, then Cody it just defeats, gives him a different look. It just kind of defeats the purpose of having a ranking system. Like oh, the I, rankings are 
whatever. I mean, it's, look, look, I, I get from a business perspective, I get why you would put Cody Garbrandt in there with Dominic Cruz. But from a logic perspective, Cody Garbrandt just beat somebody lower ranked than him in the first round, which is kind of what he's supposed to do. You know, like that's that's kind of my problem with giving somebody a title shot after beating somebody who was ranked lower than him. And not like, like especially when you're climbing the ladder, you need to beat people ahead of you. Like you need to beat a Brian Caraway or TJ Dillashaw or Rafael Sunshine in order to get that title shot, in my opinion. Caraway would have been a great fight. And that, and that fight makes sense to me. You know, that, that makes sense if you want to put him in there with Dominic Cruz. Dillashaw, you know, he lost, he lost a close fight to Dominic Cruz. And he went in there and took care of business against Rafael Asuncao, who was ranked much higher than Michigaki. So if you're not going to run it back, then Cody needs to go through Dillashaw, which has its own built-in storyline of a former alpha male versus a current alpha male with some bad blood there. But to have him leapfrog it, I think, is uh, I, like, it just kind of defeats the purpose of a ranking system. It makes you feel like it's, it's a joke. Like, what's the point of having guys rank? If a guy that's going to be ranked number seven is just going to get the shot ahead of me. It's not like Bisping taking it on short notice. It's not like Woodley, who had earned the title shot a while ago and then waited and while the, the, duffle, the, shuffle was, uh, the deck was reshuffled over at the welterweight division. Like, he kind of just waited for that to happen. But, I mean, it, it In is. In this case, one through, what, five has, have already lost to Dominic or in a title fight? Um, well, Caraway Outside has. of Caraway. And Caraway's just hit like a crazy stride right now. And he, he's not going to sell like this kid. It's the Conor McGregor effect. Well, I, that, that's the thing. Like, that's no. why I kind of – I get it from a business perspective, but I just don't get it if you're TJ Dillashaw and you're sitting there going like, well, what do I have to do? And the because- eye test. Sometimes the, your eyes don't lie. Like the record doesn't match up. The, you know, the resume doesn't match up. He's not fighting guys in the top five. But Connor came off of Dennis Seaver, and you're like, uh, you know what? I give him a legit chance at winning this belt. And you yeah. look at Cody Garbrandt, and you go, eh, I give him a chance against Dominic Cruz, who almost no one can hit, but he's been dropped several times in fights. He just rebounds very well. Yeah, I mean, it's, you're also giving him a chance against, in my opinion, I know people don't agree with this, he's the number, Dominic Cruz is the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world. That's my opinion. I put him ahead of Demetrius Johnson because he beat Demetrius Johnson, even though it was a different weight class. But Dominic Cruz hasn't lost in, since he lost to Uriah Faber in WEC. Like, this dude has beat everybody they put in front of him. Yes, in which he probably he could dance around Cody. But five rounds for a guy who doesn't put his hands up in defense almost ever against a guy with monster power in his hands, I give Cody a legit shot, which is more I can say than, what, 90% of that division. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, the nope. only other person that I would love to see Cody fight, I would absolutely love to see him fight, but he, he's already booked, is John Lineker. I'd love to see Cody Garbrandt, John Lineker, because that fight's, there's no way in hell that's going the distance. But Lineker's booked with John Dodson, so it is what it is. Um, let's move on. We got, we got more fights on the card. Definitely. Uh, uh, we get into the main card, and we had Tim Means coming through straight dominating. That was just blood everywhere. I was like, that's how you start a main card. Well, yeah, he did what he had to do. Tim Means has been through a lot. I've talked to Tim before this fight, you know, with the supplement. Again, pop for the supplement, the band supplement, and then his nutrition is basically leaving him high and dry. They asked, um, they asked his uh, supplement supplier to send in the uh, the bar, like the barcodes, and the, so they can actually see if the supplement was in the band supplement was in whatever he was taking, and it was, he just disappeared and left Tim Means out there. And <laughs> 
and it was sponsored, right? He was a sponsored athlete yeah, by that, that supplement brand. It, it was and was his best friend at that. Well, not his best friend. It was a really good friend of Tim Means at that. That left him high and dry. So he has kind of a soft spot when people get popped by USADA because it doesn't necessarily mean you're taking steroids. It means that you could have had like a protein shake which had the wrong shit in it. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. he had I mean, been through a lot. It seems like we're going to get that with John Jones. Well, Sponsored supplement guy who's uh, just running with it. Yeah, that's a whole nother story. But Means did what he has to do. He got rid of Hamasi. Bloody as hell match. Um, you know, he, he wants Donald Cerrone next. Cerrone has wanted Tim Means in the past. Could happen. Um, be a great fight. Else? Yeah, um, so we had Mike Perry making his UFC debut. Platinum Mike Perry. People didn't know who this guy was. But I have a feeling that this guy might be a problem for a lot of people because his mouth is something else. <laughs> well, his mouth matches his hands. Eight knockouts. Eight fights, it came in, I was like, okay. You know, I didn't know too much about him. Um, on last week's show, I had to look at Sherdog right. to check him out. And I was like, okay, cool. Let me see what he has. And he lived up to the bill. And they put him on the main card for a reason. He stepped up. He showed off his power. And he's a guy who can get, you know, a couple top 15 fights quickly just because of the platform he was on. Yeah, I mean, the welterweight division is pretty loaded. But, you know, Mike Perry coming out and showing out like he did, plus – you know, his antics leading up to the fight. I mean, you know, his coach said, well, one of his training partners said something racist <laughs> towards his limb, but we won't talk so much about that. But there was, you know, he was high-fiving the, the Octagon girls, and, you know, he's, he's colorful, man. He's, he's, a, he's an interesting guy. Like, talking to him after the fight is just really interesting. So, and he's got power. So why not put him in there with Lorenz Larkin if he resigns? You know, we could talk about Lorenz beating up Neil Magny. Who the hell saw that coming? Yep. Not I. And that's the division you kind of want to be in when you just throw hands. No one's going to wrestle you. Yeah, unless you're Tyron Woodley. Yeah, I mean, and he didn't wrestle. He, right. Now, he's going to get hubris and just try to throw hands with everyone. And he's avoiding Wonder Boy. Like, Wonder Boy has Zika. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he wants anyone besides Wonder Boy because he knows the KO is coming. He's trying to get that paycheck first. Yes, indeed. And then what do we have? We had uh, Donald Cerrone. Uh, Killing Nick's Rick Story. <laughs> oh man, that combo was so dirty. Whew. Just three piece, two body shots that folded story, and then the head kick that was at waist level because he knew he was going to buckle from those body shots. Through it, UFC has a great video on their YouTube where they slow down some of the best moments in UFC 202, and it's like all oh, oh, slow mo. Yeah. And they mm-hmm. have that combo slow mo, and it's just amazing. You just see Cerrone's eyes get wide, like, yeah, I got him. He hits him with that first body blow, and it's over. Yeah, that. I mean, now you got to wonder, because uh, Sony told me that he still wants Eddie Alvarez for his next fight for a title shot. He, he wants to move back down to lightweight, because um, he beat Eddie Alvarez. But uh, you look at him, he's a problem for these welterweights. You know, what, Cerrone, is, he, he probably looked, he's done this before. He, he goes on these streaks where he looks excellent, and then he gets mowed down like he did against RDA, or like he did against Nate Diaz. But right now, welterweight, he looks phenomenal. Um, I'm curious, you know, if he doesn't get the lightweight title shot, which I don't think he will, um, I'm curious where the, where Donald Cerrone goes from here and how, you know, if he gets to the title picture with another win or two. The 170 title picture? Yeah. Oof. Um, there's a lot of guys ahead of me he'd have to face. You, you look at the winner of this Condit fight, possibly. Um, the returning... Nick Diaz is up there for a title shot, I'm guessing. 
I mean, give me Nick Diaz and Cowboy Cerrone. I don't mind. No, that's I mean, that's one hell of a fight. I mean, give me Cowboy against pretty much anybody in the welterweight division. I, I don't. I, it's fun. It's a fun fight. Whatever it is. Do you give Lawler versus Cowboy? Like, there's a lot of people. Those two fights that you're talking about, it's possible. But those are tough two fights. Oh yeah. I mean, whichever way you slice it. This Cowboy's not the type of guy who likes to, you know, pussy foot around. He likes to fight. So, win or lose. Why not have him fight Robbie Lawler? Why not have him fight the loser of Condit Maya, which happens this weekend? Um, anybody. You know, maybe he beats up Johnny Hendricks. I don't know. Everyone uh, beats up Johnny Hendricks nowadays. Yeah, no. It's, it's, it's rough. It's tough sledding for that guy. But Cerrone's just look phenomenal. Um, so we'll see what happens with him. Okay. Rumble Johnson completely annihilates Glover Teixeira <laughs> in 13 seconds. Hell, I couldn't, I couldn't help but just laugh. From from the from the start of the uppercut to the to the knockout to Glover trying to take out the 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 uh, the doctors, yo, yo, Glover tries to get up, he falls back down, he knocked his tooth out. Oh my god! With one punch. Can we just say that Rumble Johnson's the most devastating finisher in all of MMA? Oh my god! Yes, any anything boxing, just throw everything in there. You can't find a combat sport where he's not the scariest man on the planet right now. Good Lord. I mean, Glover Teixeira, which a lot of people forget, he was in undefeated for a long time. Then he lost to John Jones. Then he lost to Phil Davis. But he's still Glover Teixeira. He's still a guy who just doesn't get knocked out. He got killed in 13 seconds. Yeah, John killed. didn't knock him out. This is now twice. Rumble has wrecked people John went the distance with and kind of had trouble with. Exactly. Uh, Alexander Gustafson is the other one. So, And, I mean, granted, he lost to Daniel Cormier, who... Doesn't, Cormier doesn't get enough credit for who he is, even though he lost to John Jones. But if Anthony Johnson, for whatever reason, doesn't get a title shot next, which I think is ridiculous, if John Jones just hops back in the title picture, who knows how long this suspension is about to be. And but, Dana White talking about, oh, well, it should be Rumble versus John to see who fights DC. No, look, John doesn't get any more, you know, just gimmies. Exactly, yeah. No, no, no. He has to wait. He needs to fight someone outside. Fight Gus again. Right. Right, anybody. But see, if I'm John Jones, I don't think I want to fight Rumble. <laughs> like, y'all be like, yo, chill. Why you want to throw me in there with that killer? <laughs> the savage. Because if he puts him, like, I say it every time when people ask me to predict the Rumble fight. It's like, if you get out of the first round, you have a chance. Like, Cormier survived. That, that punch that he got hit with didn't land completely flush. If it did, Cormier might not be the champ right now. <laughs> and it might be on Rumble's waist. Yeah, he wouldn't be. <laughs> No, no one has proven that they can survive a rumble punch. It's, it's quite ridiculous how powerful this man is. And it's even more ridiculous to think that he fought at 170 for so long. What the shit? But he's how? kept that athleticism, which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, like, it's funny because most fighters, when you go up a weight class or two, you lose the power. Not rumble. He got stronger. It's insane. It's yeah, insane what the, this man's done. The cut really crushed his power to some degree. Yeah, now I mean, he's still killing full. people, but... I would love to see him at heavyweight, though. I mean, I mean, yeah. Yeah, if Cormier can hang around at heavyweight, why can't Rumble? Uh, who knows? The potential that Rumble has is, is... There's no real ceiling on it. You know, his ground game is his biggest problem. Finding a guy like Cain Velasquez would be a problem for Rumble Johnson. But everybody else who decides for whatever reason to not shoot within the first 30 seconds of the fight is getting killed. <laughs> that's the way it goes no nah, that's true um and only thing we have left is the main event yeah 
And this is, I don't know, it lived up to the expectations. We thought it'd go five. Now, I yeah. predicted that, you know, it go into a decision. The way it played out, it was just that both guys, like if you go in and you say, Nate Diaz has to do what to win? He has to get in the clinch. He has to, you know, keep Connor at range with a jab every now and then and gas him out against the cage with that clinch work. He did that. He did everything you told him to do to win. If you say if Connor has to win, what does he have to do? I said it. He has to throw leg kicks, take out Nate's lead leg. That shortens the distance. They're a different fighter when you kick him in the legs. Make sure when you get in close, you throw combinations because Nate's just going to throw one punch at a time. Don't get caught in a clinch. He did everything except for the last part. And it's crazy that they both executed their game plans to a T. And that's why we had such a great fight, and it came down to the end. And Connor, well, it was the fourth round. That was pretty much the swing round. And and Connor somehow caught that second wind, and Nate wasn't able to take him down. He wasn't able to keep him in a clinch, and Connor took it with that round. You know, there was a lot of people, and we talked to Karen Bryan about this when we were walking to the tent, that you know thought that Diaz won, or it was a draw, or the third round was a 10-8 round. And I find all of that shit utterly ridiculous. You're generous because people lost their damn minds. They said it was a robbery and that Nate Diaz won. Yeah, I mean, what the hell were you watching? It's it's ridiculous. We know that Connor won the first two rounds in the fourth round. We know this. I mean, you 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 could watch the fight as many times as you want. How many Nate Diaz got dropped in the first and second round? Did he get dropped in the third as well? No, just first and second. Just first and second. Twice in the first, once in the second. And, you know, people are like, well, the third round could have been a 10-8 round. Well, I mean... How is the first not a 10-8 round for Connor? You dropped the guy twice. Exactly. Like, if you're going to... Comparatively, it's not the same thing. Like, yeah, Connor was tired, but that doesn't automatically give the other fighter a 10-8 round. He never so, dropped. That's, that's the key. He yeah. never dropped. He was never taken down. There was no ground and pound. Why does Nate Diaz get a 10-8 round? Because Connor, quote-unquote, ran a little bit. I don't. I don't understand this. Uh, I don't understand what people are. I, I think the fight played out perfectly for a trilogy, because people that love Nate Diaz are going to say, "Well, Connor ran, and Connor was tired, and you know, given different circumstances, Nate would have won." I I understand that for the setup, but in this particular fight, Connor did what he had to do to win. Now, with all that being said, Connor has no business at one seventy. None. Never again. <laughs> Never again. He he's he's too small for one seventy. One fifty five is exactly where he needs to be. And a fight with Diaz at 155 is probably a different fight. You know, I, I don't know how that weight cut affects Nate. You know, people are like, well, Nate's a lightweight too. But I was like, dude, Nate has fought at welterweight before. Connor's just going up in weight. And for the first time in his career, went five rounds in a weight class, 25 pounds higher than he usually fights. Give the man some credit. Yeah. He's just, he's fat at 170. Like, there's no other way. He just can't carry the weight. It slows him down. You know, and he's still powerful. Um... He, he did a lot of things right in this fight. Uh, I was, you know, I, I said from the outset that I thought Conor was going to win a decision. And I said throughout the week that my pick was, I, I was not feeling as good about my picks. I felt like Nate was in his head come the weigh-ins and what happened at the press conference. But Conor put all that shit aside and stuck to the game plan. You got to give this man for credit because in the face of adversity, he prevailed. And he won. He won this fight. He give him credit. Leg kicks, leg kicks, leg kicks. And it was dope when... uh. You know, you were doing the backstage interviews, and we saw who who was it that spoke um, from Connor's camp? Artem Lobov, who beat yep. Chris Avia with leg kicks. And he straight up told me. That's when I, I put it on Twitter. I think Kel might be right. 
I asked Loba, but I was like, you just, uh, you, you, got, you, you never throw leg kicks. And this is what you did against Chris Avila. Does this mean that this is what Connor's going to do against Nate? And he laid out the game plan. He was like, they don't like to be kicked in the legs. So that's what I did against Avila, and that's what Connor's going to do tonight. He just laid it out before the fight. <laughs> it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the scrap pack was listening to my interview. They just, it was what it was. There was nothing that they had prepared for. To, to, I mean, you try to check the leg kicks, but there was nothing he could do. No, not not at all. Um, what saved Nate in this fight more so than other fights is that Connor's a southpaw. So Nate can take leg kicks to the outside and check them a little bit easier. And there's a lot more muscle on the outside of his leg for whatever reason. Um, and he took it a little bit better on the outside. When someone's an orthodox fighter and they kick him on the inside of his leg, he can't handle it at all. So Connor yeah. probably took, you know, 50% out with the outside leg kicks. When you watch RDA and he's orthodox and his right leg is coming to the inside of Nate's lead leg, that's when he has problems. That's right. when he buckles. That's when he can't do anything at all. So, you know, that was the, the slight difference. Um, but Connor, I don't know, he couldn't change his stance. And why would you at that point if you're Connor? Yeah. So you have to kick to the outside of the leg and, you know, it still worked good enough. All right, so who do you, if you're Dana White and Joe Silva, who do you have Conor McGregor fight next? There's no reason for Conor to fight anyone except Eddie Alvarez. I agree. Because I agree. watching the left hands that he put on Nate Diaz, whose boxing is superior to Eddie Alvarez, say what you want. Eddie, you know, lost to, um, he lost Cerrone. to Cowboy Cerrone. And we saw what Nate was able to do against Cowboy. Um as far as the straight, like, boxing, striking match is concerned. So, with Eddie, shorter guy, Connor has the reach advantage again, and he's able to just land those left hands at will over five rounds, which we now can see that he can at least survive five rounds against someone who can punch. I don't know how Eddie takes those left hands for five rounds. I, I don't I don't know how anyone 155 and lower takes those left hands for five straight rounds. Yeah, I think the Eddie Alvarez fight is a fight to make. Um, Eddie Alvarez has been trying to trash Conor McGregor, and it's probably as a bait and switch. But Eddie wants a million dollar check. Yeah, he wants that check. But you know, a Conor and and uh, Eddie Alvarez fight is excellent on many levels because you know Eddie did beat Rafael dos Anjos. He beat Rafael, and he he has a motor. One thing about Eddie Alvarez, he can go the distance. He can go five rounds. He goes to war. He's he's a war fighter. Um, he's not a t- he's not a tremendous knockout puncher. He has a pretty good chin, so to, for him and Connor to fight for five rounds would be very interesting. Because, like you said, it'd be interesting to see how how Connor's strength carries in one fifty five against somebody like Eddie Alvarez, who was built to go the distance. There's there's no reason when you look at the lightweight division, there's no reason why you should go any other route. Unfortunately, unfortunately, that would mean that Khabib would have to wait. Khabib got to wait. And you know what? If Khabib fought Conor McGregor today, I'm picking Khabib. And that's another reason Conor has to go and snatch his belt right now. Because if Khabib fights Eddie and Khabib beats Eddie like he should, Conor is not beating Khabib. Well, this is what I was going to say. We got to see how long long it's going to be before Conor's ready to fight again. I don't think he's making the New York card. John Kavanaugh was on the MMA hour with Ariel Hawani, and Kavanaugh was... You know, he was hesitant to say that Conor would be ready for November. But Eddie's ready, and Khabib is ready. 
I could see those two fighting in New York at 205. Can't do it. You, you protect the money. And Connor with two belts simultaneously is money. Yeah, but you're not gonna you're not gonna let Eddie Alvarez wait. Like Eddie, I don't think Eddie will wait. Eddie will and have to wait as long as he can. Eddie wants to wait for the check. It but comes I down to that. I don't think the UFC is gonna like the way that it's been framed. Is if Connor is is injured for a little while and he can't fight till the New Year's card. You know the uh, was at two oh seven out here in Vegas. Yeah. Um, and Khabib is ready to fight now, and Eddie's ready to fight now, and the winner fights Conor McGregor. Because either way it goes, it doesn't matter who Conor fights. It He's, does matter who he fights. No, in, in terms of the check. No. It doesn't matter. And but as terms of him winning, you want him to win the belt. It's lore. Not. It's future Look, checks. I agree. I agree. With, I mean, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I'm just saying the thought process of the UFC right now, with them wanting McGregor to go back down to 145 and fight Jose Aldo, which, looking at Conor, I'm like, dude, you're going to kill yourself going to 145. But it doesn't even make any sense for me, to me for that fight to happen. Even though Jose wants it, I, like, I don't know. It, like, have Jose fight Max Holloway. I feel like that's a better fight. Whatever. But if you want Conor to go back to 145, and you got Khabib and Eddie waiting, I feel like they're going to force Conor to defend that title. Because he's held that title for a year and he hasn't defended it yet, which we've seen other guys do it. But I feel like they're not going to put Conor into that picture if, for some reason, he can't go until New Year's. If he's ready to go for New York, they'll put him on the New York card against Eddie Alvarez. You know what? What's going to happen is RDA is going to fight Khabib around November. Well, RDA's got Tony Ferguson. Oh, he has Ferguson. Yeah. Hmm. They already put him in. Yeah, Khabib has got to wait then. Khabib's odd man out. It is what it is. Because you're, you're not going to jeopardize. I don't care if Alvarez has to wait until... You know, December. It is what it is. And yet people act like the July to December wait is a long time. They do that in UFC all the time. Ronda Rousey did it for her cards. It was, what, July to November is usually her wait. Connor's done it before. Yeah, After the not- Mendez fight, he waited until December to fight Aldo. Yeah, but Eddie Alvarez doesn't have Conor McGregor money. <laughs> and that He's UFC looking to have Conor McGregor money. I know, but that 205 card in New York, everybody wants to be on that card. If it wasn't 205 in New York, I'd say that they'd wait and figure this out. But I feel like it, for 205, the UFC wants to have a title fight on the card. Don't be an idiot like RDA. That's all I'm saying. RDA took another fight. He was an idiot. And yeah, I mean, now gotta, he's going to be a 50 and 50 guy. I mean, you gotta fight. I mean, you gotta fight, man. I mean, I I get it. I get everything you're saying. Eddie Eddie loses to Khabib, and he's going to be a 50 50 Fox Sports 1 guy for the rest of his career. My, again, my only issue with all of this is the way that this year has been going, I can't count anybody out of anything. Eddie Alvarez could go out there and beat Khabib. We don't know. We could, but don't risk the money. Listen, if you're on a 50 50 deal, even if you headline and you're on a 100 100 for some reason, that's five fights it'll take to get the money of fighting Connor once, let alone pay-per-view points, which is something Eddie's never touched. I get it from a business perspective. I get it. But from a rankings wait. perspective, and I want to be – I feel like I want to be fair to Khabib because he's earned that title shot, and he's been waiting forever for a title shot. Yeah, yo, I would love to be fair to Khabib too. He shouldn't have gotten injured in the first place. Sometimes money trumps all, and, huh. and it got to be Connor versus Eddie. That's it. That's the – that's the right. only logical fight. So let, let's talk real quick before we go to break and, and cover the entire week of wrestling. 
Let's talk about this UFC Fight Night card coming up this weekend. Um, UFC Fight Night on Fox, headlined by Damian Maia versus Carlos Condit. Um, we also have Eddie Alvarez, I mean, Eddie Alvarez, Anthony Pettis versus Charles Oliveira. Um, A lighter Anthony Pettis. Right. And Beck Rollins and Paige Van Zandt. And on, also on the main card is Joe Lozon and Jim Miller. This is a pretty good card. Very um, good. Right off the bat, I'm going to ask you, who wins between Maya and Condit? I'm giving it to Condit. Yeah, I mean, you can't really. It's hard not to give a fight to Condit. But Maya's anyway. been on it, though. I mean, the fight goes to the ground. You got to give it to Maya, right? Anytime the fight goes. Any fight that ever goes to the ground, he's the best, one of the just, best jiu-jitsu practitioners in all of MMA. So, yeah, if the fight goes to the ground. But it's Carlos Condit. I don't think this shit's going to the ground. I mean, shit. Maya doesn't get enough credit for wrestling skills, though. No, uh, he doesn't. A lot of jujitsu guys, you know, it's just like, take Nate Diaz, for example. Nick Diaz. It's everyone always takes them down, or they have to punch someone, that person falls, and then they end up on the ground and they can submit people. You even look at Cowboy Cerrone. A lot of people with great submission games use punches to get people on the ground because their wrestling doesn't hold up. They can't shoot for a single leg or a double leg and get people to the ground. Maya's not that guy. Maya, like a Jacare, will take you down and then submit you. Like, he can get takedowns, which is scary as hell. So I don't know how he stands with Carlos Condit. Yeah, he's going to have to find a way to get the takedown. But I am picking Carlos Condit. So what about Anthony Pettis and Charles uh, Oliveira in a featherweight fight? I'm going to go with Pettis, but, man, it's, it's getting harder and harder to pick this guy. Something's broken inside of him. Yeah, agreed. And not broken in a good way. Not like broken Matt Hardy broken. Like fundamentally flawed broken. I agree, man. I, I don't know. I'm picking Pettis to win as well. Uh, Oliveira is a, he's a submission guy. Pettis is pretty capable on the ground. I think he can... Kind of stay away from all that. But if uh, a lighter Pettis leads to a more powerful Pettis or a quicker Pettis, um, he could be a problem at 145. But whatever's going on in his head right now needs to be fixed. Uh, I know he spent some time at Jackson's. I don't know, you know how the relationship with Duke Rufus and everything is going at Rufus Sport. But if, he, if this works, he'll be great at 145. Maybe he eventually works his way into a Jose Aldo fight, which everybody's wanted to see forever. But it's hard, man. I mean, Oliver is a perfect opponent for him. That Let's Wheaties box that. was a long time ago. It sure was. Um, I'm picking, but I'm picking Pettis. So we also have the return of Paige Van Zant against Beck Rollins. Um, Paige is in need for a win after all the momentum she gained from Dancing with the Stars. So I'm going to pick Paige because Paige is a very capable fighter. It's going to be it's going to be hard because Beck Rollins is a rough and rugged girl. Yeah, I'm picking Paige though. Um, to me, Paige is just still learning. She's so young. But she can beat a lot of people, just not maybe the top two or three in that division. And she had her chance, and, you know, she, what, lost to the number one contender now? Probably the person who's going to fight Joanna next. Who? Uh, not Rose. Rose lost. <laughs> oh, sh- No, not Rose. Damn. I thought, uh, I forgot Rose lost. UFC 200 was a while ago. Uh, <laughs> well, she's... She's not as good as Rose, so what? She's outside of the top five, but anyone outside of that, I'll pick Paige. Yo, I forgot Rose lost. Yeah, everybody forgets Rose lost. That's a damn shame. I almost gave Rose a title shot. Yep. I'm glad Joe Silva is in charge of this and not me. You got Carolina out there. I mean, it, the division's the division's taking form, but yeah. Uh, it's still so, I don't know. It's, it's when it's striker heavy like it is now, anything can happen. 
Well, that's true. The only real wrestler I have is Claudia. Um, uh, In which I'm not sure if Claudia loses to anyone besides Joanna. Exactly. So, I mean, I mean, the true wrestler is Carla Esparza. Um, but Claudia, she's capable on the hand, uh, standing in on the ground. I was going to say, Car- Carla has no hands, though. That's No, that's Carla has zero hands. Carla gets wrecked by anybody with a great stand-up. So, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But I'm picking Paige as well. And the other main car fight is Jim Miller against uh, Joe Lozon, um, which should be fun. <laughs> fun as no, hell. No, definitely. Um, Jim Miller's always fun to watch. Uh, I don't know. I don't pick Joe Lozon often. But uh, I'll take Lozon to win this one. I'm taking Lozon. I think he has a momentum on his side. Um, Miller got rid of Taknori Gomi at 200 and uh, you know put him in this position for another fight. But um, it should be fight of the night caliber. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. But I think Lozon wins that fight. Yeah, I'd take Lozon. To, I mean, Lozon has surprised me a couple times already. So I'm going to stop picking against the guy uh, until uh, you know I see otherwise. So... No, that's, once again, good fights coming up this weekend. The only other thing to touch in MMA before we go to break is the possibility of Rory McDonald leaving for Bellator as a free agent. Um, WCW's kind of looking a little strong right now. I mean, what basically what this is shaping up to be is like, if you don't give me the next title shot and I become a free agent, I'm going to Bellator. So <laughs> They just want a belt. Yeah, they just want, I mean. The, and, and a the, guaranteed contract. Exactly. The money's there. You know, you get your sponsors back, too. Like, that's a big factor for a lot of these guys who are top contenders but aren't raking in a lot of dough in the UFC in terms of, you know, big money fights. Yeah. Rory McDonald can make a lot more money in Bellator. And if, like, Lorenz Larkin follows him, for instance, it could get really interesting. You know, Bellator could slowly become WCW. I don't know if they ever have an NWO type, you know, run in with, like, somebody like Conor McGregor shows up as Hulk Hogan and it turns the entire uh, organization upside down. But, you know, Bellator has a nice little run. But kudos to Rory. I, I don't mind him going to Bellator. You know, go get their welterweight title. Yeah, he'll be shot to the top immediately. If uh, Benson Henderson got an immediate title shot at that division, there's no reason Rory McDonald won't. And, you know, he has to get the money up. There's only so, much, so many times you get your nose pushed in right. for, like, minimal dough um, before you go and you chase the big checks. And he's still young. Listen, this could be a three-year deal at Bellator. He could come right back. Yeah, he could. He could win the title, prove his worth, you know, have a lot more value. You know, yeah. Bellator is like 26. Know, yeah. There's a lot of things where McDonald could do. Plenty so. of time. Get the money now. Worry about everything else later. Yep. Um, we're going to take a quick break. Stay tuned. When we come back, we're talking wrestling. We're going to start off with NXT and get into SummerSlam weekend. So we'll be right back. Listen up, because we need help putting out the show that you love for free every week, giving it free to the people, now we know nobody likes filling out surveys, but we really need you to do it. It won't take you more than five minutes, and besides helping out the show, you'll be entered for a chance to win a $100 iTunes gift card. You know what I can do with $100 on iTunes? I'm living life large on iTunes with that, and you guys get that just for helping us out. We know some of you may have already done surveys like this in the past, but we really need you to log in and fill this thing out as accurately as possible. Yeah, man. I mean, once we know more about you, we'll be able to deliver the show and the sponsors you dream about. Finding sponsors who are a good fit means we're going to give you the deals and information the brands you care about while keeping this show free to enjoy every week. Free to enjoy every week. It means you don't have to pay to subscribe for nothing. All right. If you don't care about helping us and making the show better, do it for the chance to win a free iTunes or Amazon.com gift card. Right. You know, like, do it for free. Do it for the gifts. 
And if there's not, you know, just think about it. If there's not that many of you doing it, there's a better chance to win. So please do us this solid and go to thecornersurvey.com. Once again, that's thecornersurvey.com. Do that. Keep the lights on for us. Let us cater to what you need. You know, you can tell us what you like and what you don't like, and then we can keep it all funky and knock this thing out. I know the Corner Club got our back. You guys are going to fill out that survey. We're going to get more ads. We're going to be bringing you this for free for a long, long time. So shout out to y'all. All right, welcome back, people. We told you we're talking NXT. It's what took over our early day on Sunday. Everyone else went crazy for it Saturday night, and we had to mute you guys on Twitter because you were trying to blow it up. But we avoided the spoilers. We came in the next day fresh at Andreas' crib, eating pizza and Doritos and such. And we were treated to probably a better show than SummerSlam. Oh, it was definitely a better show than SummerSlam. We're, I'm about to trash SummerSlam, so we can hold that for the next segment. But <laughs> TakeOver yeah, take was... A, was by far the better show. Not a bad match. Like, an entire thing, there was not one bad match on the card. No, there wasn't. Uh, I want. I don't even want to go in order. I actually want to start with the tag team championship match, which I, think, which I personally think was the best match on the card. The Revival versus Gargano and Ciampa. The Revival, that- I mean, every takeover now, they put in a legit quality match and try to steal the card. They stole this card, in my opinion. They, I think this match was brilliantly booked. Um, it gave us, a, you know, there was so many false finishes. Um, there was a lot of ring psychology. There was a lot of things. I mean, dude, there were, there were several moments where we were like, okay, Gargano and Ciampa's got this. Like, the Gargano knee injury. Like, there was just so many things that, that were put into play for this, this match that was in the middle of this card. It was so good. And the Revival are now, like, not even secretly anymore. The most underrated tag team in all of wrestling. No, it, definitely. It, I mean, now we see American Alpha work on SmackDown. It's like, man, something's missing. Well, a tag team the caliber of the Revival is missing. Because against these other guys, it's like, yeah, okay, normal spot, normal spot. They really can't even get off right now. No, I mean, they can't. And it's always been my criticism of American Alpha. As much as I love them, it's Gable... Being little, get beat up, tag, hot tag to Jordan. Jordan goes nuts, and they eventually get the finisher. With revival, you really don't know what's coming. You know, because they, they don't have a dominant person. Exactly. There is no person to get beat up. You They're, still struggle with who is Dash and who's Wilder. I was gonna say, I don't, I don't know who's who. Um, but that's what makes them so great, and they're interchangeable. And like you said, the ring psychology is something, and it's a under, I guess, underanalyzed part of people going to the performance center. And when they go there, they have the ability to look at all of this film. The catalogs there are extensive. You get to watch wrestling from the 70s, 80s, 90s, all at your disposal. And they soaked all of that in. And they have the aspects of some of the greatest tag teams of the 80s, of the 90s, where you don't have to do flips. You don't have to be fancy. They know the mental side of being a tag team, more than just building up the hot tag. They know yeah. how to be heels in a tag team, which is so important, which I'm not sure if any, any tag team on a main roster knows how to do. No, I mean, and, and there's are... some great ones. There's no heel tag teams. The New Day pulled it off a little bit, but not to the caliber of the Revival. No, they, the Revival is really, they, as a team, Dash Wilder are really, 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 really good. 
Um, and they're especially good. I mean, they're, they're different from the other tag teams in terms of their smash mouth, ground and pound um, type of wrestlers. They are, they, like I said, they, they always take me back to the WWE iteration of the Brain Busters with Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. Not the WCW version, the WWF version. Um, nothing flashy about them. You look at them, you're like, well, these guys shouldn't win anything. Look at them. But then they get in there and wrestle and you watch what they do. And methodically, they, they pick teams apart and they do it well. So... This is my favorite match on the card. I'm hoping now at this point, I don't want to see the Revival lose the titles because I don't know who they lose them to. Um, I mean, it looks like the Authors of Pain are next up. We'll see, you know, maybe Gargano and Ciampa get a rematch. Who knows? But uh, I just don't want to see them lose. At, at this point, I don't think anybody can carry the title with as much heat as the Revival now. I don't know. Authors of Pain. Um, They're just a bunch of big guys, man. I can't, I can't buy into them as, as champs right now because they haven't shown me shit. They have decent moves. Uh, NXT this past week showed the dark matches. Them versus TM61 is a rivalry that we'll see for the next year in NXT, and we shouldn't get tired of it. TM61 is a great tag team. Uh, yeah. The yeah. Mighty Don't Kneel. I hate saying TM61. Uh, but the Mighty Don't Kneel, they're beastly, and their tag team moves are like the face versions of the Revival, in which in other promotions they weren't faces. They were heels as well. You just can only have so many heel tag teams. Right, so <clears throat> I'm, I'm not I'm not a big fan of the Authors of Pain. I think they're a good tag team, but like I said, I wanted to see the Revival carries these straps a little bit longer. Uh, it just gives them more heat because, and it kind of defines them too. You know, some teams can use the, the titles to their advantage, and the Revival are that team because they don't really have any standout qualities outside of that. You know, they don't cut a, an, an amazing promo. They don't have an amazing look, but their work is just, they deserve to hold the titles. Definitely get better at the promo game. Yeah, no, they definitely are. Um, um, we got to talk about Ember Moon next. Yeah. Ember Moon is uh, putting in her ballot to be my Bay of 2017. It was, uh, I mean, the, the debut of Athena's Ember Moon, uh, it was kind of a weird match. I watched it again because I kind of, I think Billy Kay got in more offense than I expected her to. Yeah. and B- uh, Billy Kay was the established person, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It just, there was... I don't want. It wasn't a sloppy match. It wasn't that. It just kind of missed a few cues. But, <clears throat> but she looked Ember Moon. I mean, that finisher. I just, I, we'll talk about Seth Rollins in a minute. But I'm waiting her for her to hurt one of these girls with it because <laughs> one of these girls is not going to be able to take that corkscrew stunner the right way. That's the key. The talent around her is what may hold back Ember Moon. But if they rush her into the title picture, her and Oscar is going to be an amazing match. Yeah, no, it's it's good. It's because athleticism absolute. is incredible in that match, and that stunner, Oscar will sell the stunner. Somebody's gonna sell the stunner. Yeah. Um, before we talk about Oscar Bailey, let's talk about the debut of Bobby Roode with this amazing his his pay per view debut with this glorious entrance. This was been this, ugh, shit. I don't even know what to say. We were marking out at the crib. Oh, it was crazy. We lost our shit as soon as he was like in the heavens with the spotlight, like Kanye. On the Yeezus tour, I was like, oh, yeah, they got it. Shout out to Triple H for, I guess, you know, they didn't allow him to do so at SummerSlam. But at NXT, he said, what's our budget? Yeah, we're using all this shit. Throwing it all out there. The entrances were incredible. And yeah. this, and we'll talk about Knox's entrance in a second, but wow. Just for people who, if they didn't know who Bobby Roode was, there was only maybe, what, two promos? One in-ring, one backstage that they cut before this. 
And then he showed up, and it was like, okay, this guy is a major player just off his entrance alone. Entrance, look. He has the look. Yeah, he has everything except for the in-ring. His in-ring is serviceable, but I feel like his finisher is horrible. His finisher sucks. It's the Road Dogs double pump slam from like 1996. I'm cool on that. But everything else, the package is there. Unfortunately, Andrade Almas is lost. They need to repackage this guy, get him out of here, get the Chippendale thing out of here. Like, I don't know who thought that was cool. I don't know if they, you know, watching Breaking Ground and stuff, they kind of let you develop your own character for a second. When he was like, oh, I want to be a Chippendale. You should have been like, no. No, no, no. Put like, the mask back on, bro. Mask on, my man. That, that was all bad. They don't but, have a good luchador right now. I no, don't understand don't. why you take the mask away. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, so moving on, we had the NXT Women's Championship, Asuka and Bailey. Um, this was a very good match. It wasn't great. wasn't classic. wasn't Bailey-Sasha. But it was it was really good. It was you know a great send off for Bailey. Oscar finishes her. Um, you know Bailey tried to Hulk up and just ate shit at the end. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much that second kick. Uh, all the kicks were stiff though. It was, it was good work. Even yeah. in the middle of the match, it was, they worked really stiff. Um, entire time I was like, okay, this has like more of a Japanese style feel, and it's cool to see Bailey adjust to the people she's wrestling. Bailey is yeah. definitely probably the only one of those ladies, the four horsewomen, who adjust to whoever's in the ring with her. She can do some flying crazy shit with Sasha and take those bumps. She can work stiff with Asuka. Uh, Nia Jax was just a powerhouse, and she worked more of a power match, slow methodical against her. So she has the style to adjust to everyone. So that's that's amazing for, with Bailey, and it, um, we'll talk about it in the next segment, but she makes a raw debut, and it looks like she's going to get a title shot. Yes, it looks like she's well on the way. And then we capped it all off with the NXT title match between Samoa Joe and Shinsuke Wait, Nakamura. Wait, you completely skipped Aries versus No Way Jose. Well, whatever. Aries won. It was, it was a good... Hideo Itami came out. Oh, yeah. And everyone marked out and chanted, GTS, GT, and he landed it. Yeah. Get the hell out of here, CM Punk. You're about to take two L's in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Tommy took your finisher, which was his to start out with, and then you're about to cash these hands. Yeah, I think uh, the Atami Austin Aries feud is going to be excellent. Uh, it'll finally give Austin Aries somebody that can work at the same rate that he does, um, and maybe go over. So, you know, this is this that I forgot about that match. To be honest with you, but <laughs> it was a very good match. Um, and you know, even for No Way Jose, he got some offense in. He looked pretty good. Now he yeah. needs someone he can go over on. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and now we can get to the title match. Shinsuke Nakamura and Samoa Joe. Shinsuke Nakamura with an epic entrance. Oh, the violins. He still has the best theme song in all of pro wrestling. Oh, yeah. And just adding the violin, I wish they would have had uh, the Queen of Strong Style chick from Japan, though. If you look it up <laughs> on YouTube if you haven't seen it. She did the original Nak um, entrance theme with her violin. And then when they made this new one in NXT... She did another remix joint and did this one with the violin. And she goes all the way in. Like, she wears the whole Nakamura-type outfit. She got the mannerisms down. Oh, YouTube it if you haven't seen it. Queen of Strong Style. Uh, shit's incredible. That's the only thing that could have topped it, if they would have flown her out. But I'll take yeah. the Jordan brand black dude. <laughs> but, uh, you know, 
I watched the match again, and it just it didn't live up to my expectations. It wasn't a bad match at all. It was a good match. But with Joe and Nakamura's talent, I expected a little bit more. Yeah. Like it's, it felt like it started off a little slow. Is this the end of their feud? I don't know. And that's, that's my other issue is that... I always just anticipate it's going to build into something more. I felt yeah. the same way Joe Finn number one. Like, I feel like Nakamura has become the big fish in a small pond. And that's, and that's no knock on NXTs, but it's the fact that Nakamura is, is a superstar who doesn't even really need the NXT title. But fine, whatever. You gave it to him over Joe. I feel like Joe is a better champion in the sense that he doesn't it feels, need NXT. Neither of them at this point need NXT. Well, I mean, NXT I'm, needs them. Unfortunately, Joe doesn't have the charisma that Nakamura has. So Joe can carry the. I felt like Joe could carry the NXT title for a long time and defend it against you know up in, you know all oncomers you know anybody that's coming up. Nakamura, it just feels like a guy who like you give him the title, but doesn't really help him. It's just he's already good. He's already like he's already main roster material. Like I don't know when he debuts on the main roster. It's soon. He's just too big for NXT right now. The, I is. mean, that, that entrance was like the best entrance of the weekend. I mean, come on, man. He's, just because that music is incredible. Like. He's super over. Everything about Nakamura. And the, the most interesting thing is about Nakamura is if you ever watch him in New Japan, like the guy can pull off some amazing matches. But he's not necessarily the best wrestler. He's very charismatic. He's very good. He reminds me... Like, a, a better wrestling version of The Rock. Like, he's, he's all charisma. But he has a great moveset as well. But it's not the standout. Like, Joe, I feel like, is a better all-around wrestler. You know, like, Daniel Bryan's a great wrestler. But Nakamura is just, his charisma and is put some leaps and bounds ahead of everybody. So when he makes a splash on the main roster, he can wrestle a WWE style and still look phenomenal. It's yeah, because he has those spot moves. He has the, you know, the... What, good vibrations? Yeah, like all those things are perfectly set for television, for the big time. Yeah. So it, all, all this to say that I thought the match was good, not great. Um, you know, like a three and a half star match. And, you know, I, I kind of wish Joe would have won. I wish that they would have had Nakamura chase Joe. Because now I don't know who the hell's chasing Nakamura for that title. Joe like has to want revenge and get it back. He has to. But, you know, it feels like Bobby Roode will, will be in that picture sooner than later. Uh, we just don't know how long Nakamura's going to hang around. But, I, I mean, over, I still enjoyed it. It still was a better match than just about everything, almost everything on SummerSlam. So Definitely. Yeah. And, we, and now we see that SmackDown and Raw are open to pulling free agents, as quote-unquote what they call them, from NXT. So it can happen at any time. Yeah. So let's take a quick break. And before we wrap this thing up, talking about SummerSlam, I guess we could put a word in about Errol Spence, too. Before we continue to talk more combat sports, we got to give another thanks to Casper Mattresses. Casper Mattresses combine two technologies, springing latex foam and supportive memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface. Have y'all ever slept on memory foam? It's like floating on air. It's that great. And this is how we get our sleep. So you guys make sure that you check it out. Casper Mattresses are made in the USA and have free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada. Shout out to the Great North. You can buy your Casper mattress easy online, and it's completely risk-free. Look, dude, you spend like a third of your life sleeping, and Casper understands the importance of trying out a mattress before you commit. Look, so if you aren't satisfied with the Casper mattress, you got a 100-day period. Yeah, that's right, 100 days. You know, like, 100 days of sleeping, 
By, by about that time, I think I know if I like my mattress. So get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king size. And you can save an additional $50 towards your Casper mattress by going to casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner. Promo code the corner to save $50 towards your Casper purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Look, again, man, I like to sleep and these things are for real. Took a quick break. Back talking wrestling, though. WWE SummerSlam happened on Sunday. It was kind of the cool down for us at Andreas' crib. We probably shouldn't have watched NXT beforehand because then we were like, eh, all right. Womp, womp, womp. Like, after that, it was like, okay, everything else was kind of a downer after it. But even with that being said, WWE messed up a shitload of stuff on this card. And a lot just didn't make sense at all. And I know Dre's going to just rip them apart. Uh, I'm going to be a little more kind. Because there was some stuff I was like, all right, this is a decent match. But the end just really, I can't even defend that shit. Well, my overall criticism of the show was the way it was booked. The pacing was absolutely treacherous. So, for one, WWE needs to completely stop giving us these goddamn five-hour shows. These shows are too fucking long. Because at a certain point, because you got NXT TakeOver, you got Raw, SmackDown, you got regular NXT, you got CWC. Like, come on, man, give us a break. So... And then it was, t- it, the, the, not only was it too long, but it was booked bad. And you the crowd had, was burnt. The, the crowd was dead at certain points because you put on your best match in the middle of the show. The AJ Styles-John Cena match. And you ended the show with two no, non, really non-finishes. You know, Rusev and Roman Reigns, which was completely disrespectful to the Universal title. Even though people were like, it's a cool down match. I don't give a shit. You just don't do that. That shit wasn't even a match. No, it wasn't. And then you led into a match between Brock Lesnar and Randy Orton that really had no purpose. It just led to Randy Orton getting cut open the hard way in the match ending. I don't know how you don't end this, this night with Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor. I don't know how you fucked this up. But they did. They fucked this up royally. They did. And then, you know, we get Finn Balor versus Seth Rollins, which to me was probably the best match of the night. Mm, it wasn't better than Cena and Styles. Oh, okay, second best. No, that's true. Um, second best match of the night, and the crowd was completely dead. Yeah, and they, they weren't into that shit at all. I was like, "Yo, this is a good match." They were burnt, man. Like when you're sitting there, like think about it. when we were at WrestleMania, we were burnt. Like at a certain point, you're like, "Shit, <laughs> we're still going." Yeah, you're like, "There's a lot of shit." Like until we see Nah, Joe, all these guys up, and the fluff removed from these cards, it's not worth it. Now, if you give me a five hour long WrestleMania next year, and you tell me all these NXT guys are on the main roster, I'm in. I'll sit there for seven hours. I don't give a damn. I sat through a five-hour WrestleCon show last year. I could do WrestleMania if you tell me all these guys are on the card. I mean, I did best. I mean, best of the world. I did a Battle of Los Angeles. I did Bolo for PWG twice um, the past two years, and even that, you know, me and Marcus went to the third night, which was was Zack Saber Jr. won the tournament, and if it was just extraordinarily long, and I loved it, but I was like. Shit, man, I can't. There's no reason for wrestling shows to be this long. The it no just air doesn't conditioning happen. also couldn't have helped. Well, yeah, that doesn't help. But I mean, it, it, when you're doing that much wrestling, you you get burnt out. Um, and and the WWE just has to pace better. A lot of these, I guess, I know everybody's trying to get a check on this card, but dude, it was just really unnecessarily long. So let's talk about the actual matches. Um, we'll start off with Jericho and Owens versus Enzo and Cass. Jericho and Owens go over. Uh, Which is weird because I don't think they needed it. Like, Kevin needs his own 
program now. Like, okay, cool, I understand that, and we'll get to that on Raw. Um, there might be, a, you know, a place for him, but I, I don't know. He's just middling right now, and it seems very Roman Reigns-centric on the Raw, and everything's kind of gravitating around him. And Kevin's just been thrown to the wayside, and, and so has Sami Zayn, for that matter. Yeah, which is completely disrespectful to Zayn as well. But, yeah, this tag match... Again, it was a match that felt like guys were getting checks, but it was unnecessary. It didn't. It meant nothing. It just kind of showed that Kevin Owens is a, is great. <laughs> That's all it really shows. Um, Enzo and Cass are gonna do what Enzo and Cass are gonna do. Or oh, loss doesn't necessarily hurt him, but it was completely unnecessary. Then oh, the, Enzo coming out with the biggie though. Well, that was dope. The biggie Enzo the setting promo, the tone for the night. Jacket. That's how you open a show. Yeah, Enzo. Enzo did what he was supposed to do to open the show. It's just kind of a weird match to have. Um, and then the second match ended up being the women's championship match between Charlotte and Sasha Banks. Yes, and uh, good match, I thought. Sloppy. Worked. Sloppy, a lot of botches. Um, once again, they damn near killed themselves. I feel like that's every match with Char- Charlotte and Sasha at this point. And then Char- Charlotte goes over and wins the belt back, and we find out that Sasha is injured out yeah. you know, one to two months. She probably should stop doing crazy shit. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people thought it was weird that Sasha lost um, the title, but I I predicted it on the show. I felt like Charlotte is, she's a champ and it's better when people are chasing her. And Sasha had her moment on Raw, which which was done for a particular reason to usher in this quote unquote new era where Sasha should have had the moment at SummerSlam. But now that the moments wore off and Charlotte has the title back, I don't mind it. The problem is, is yeah, Sasha keeps killing herself in matches. The, you know, there were two spots. The, the one where Charlotte dropped Sasha off the top turnbuckle when it, I don't know what the hell she was trying to execute, but nearly killed her there. And the Hurricane Rana out of the powerbomb, which was great visually, but in slow motion, we're like, they, she almost broke her fucking neck. Yes. And to know that going into the match, she was kind of injured already, probably not the spot you want. Yeah, I'm, I'm sick of her killing herself. And I think Sasha's one of the best performers on the roster. She, she delivers raw emotion every time she's out there. But she's going to be Daniel Bryan very soon. Just yeah, taking and too I know many it has risks. to scare the shit out of Vince. So well, I'm not sure if she gets the belt back anytime soon, which is sad to say for Bay. Um, maybe at WrestleMania, they give her another spot and another pop, but I don't know. She's got to prove that she can, she can withstand a few months of wrestling. Like, think about this. She has become a special attraction like Brock Lesnar. She shows up, she wrestles on a big show, then she gets hurt. Well, NXT, she was consistent. She was, but that just doesn't matter. And not getting hurt, but now main roster, she can't stay healthy. Yeah, so... A lot more dates, though. A lot more bookings. We'll see what happens. Then we move on to the IC title match between The Miz and Apollo Crews. Absolutely no heat on this match. The Miz going over. No drama. No nothing. It's just further... Well, Maurice, I guess, distracted Apollo Crews. Crews is buried. I don't understand what they're doing. Unless he turns around and wins the belt at Backlash which they made no mention to, him still being a contender. So I don't know what they're doing with him. Out of here. Like, Cruz is, they've ruined Apollo Cruz. Send his ass back to NXT. He needs more development. Um, pretty bad. So then we go into AJ Styles and John Cena. Best match of the night. AJ Styles goes over clean. With no build. Yeah, with, with practically no build. But it just is a testament to how good AJ Styles is. And how underrated of a wrestler. I hate saying this because it just sounds weird. But John Cena is... Having has had the best run of his life. Yeah, he's become a good to great wrestler. He's really good. <laughs> he's really good. And um, he shows like when you put him in with these indie guys, he can go with the indie guys, which a lot of people can't. 
No, he, but he showed, showed it with it Owens constantly now. Owens, yeah, Owens, Zane, Cesaro. He's sucks. yeah. He holds up. He and and the right decision was made. AJ Styles went over clean. The per, the right decision was made. AJ kicked out of the Avalanche uh, attitude adjustment. Um, finished him with the Styles Clash and the phenomenal forearm, and you know set himself up for the next title shot, which he should get a run with the title. I think you got to take this title off of Dolph Ziggler. I mean Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler, he, your boy. Then we'll talk about that in a minute. The chicken. Ooh, I almost forgot about that. Um, <laughs> oh shit, I did forget about that. Oh, but that's your boy. AJ Styles is the champ. You know he like I don't care what Dean Ambrose does. This is AJ Styles' title. This is AJ Styles is the best wrestler in the world right now. I agree. I don't. Um, it's hard you know, as to, much to as I look, Yeah, as, as much as I've loved Seth Rollins, you know, but AJ's just put on for great. Even as a heel, he's putting on excellent matches. We haven't seen a single match yet where we're just like, ah, that wasn't really good. You know, the match against Jericho was more Jericho than it was AJ Styles. Yeah, and you know, that match wasn't horrible. I just hated the finish. Uh, but Styles made Roman Reigns look like a million bucks. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying like this is your wrestler. Eh, is my am I early in saying this? This is your wrestler of the year? No, I mean, oh shit, Tanahashi's put in a pretty good year, but no one to the caliber of this. No, I mean AJ Styles on a big stage because if you want to put the totality of the year in, because you start off with AJ Styles wrestling Nakamura, yeah, exactly. That, and, that's always the trump card right there. You know, even if you put in the New Japan guys as Ishii's and Okada's and and you know Kenny Omega who had a phenomenal run at G One, but AJ Styles as a whole on the big stage has been the best wrestler in the world. And we've long known he's the best wrestler in the world. But this match with John Cena kind of cemented it. Um, I, th- I think John Cena is going to take a few months off after this loss. Well, and, he's uh, filming season two of his reality show. Yeah, so he'll be back later this year. But, yo, match of the night. But it, it was so good that it killed the rest of the card. Yeah, yeah. Nothing after this was worth a damn. Uh no, Gall- we can touch on it real quick. Like we like the club, the club in the New Day. What the hell? Yeah, Gallows Anderson versus New Day. I don't know why Gallows and Anderson didn't get the title. Once again, a non-finish. Big E runs in and crushes everybody. What sense did that make? I don't know. Like Big E's balls are healed. Uh, he, drink, he drinks like the the ball juice from the side afterwards. But, and then having John Stewart out there for absolutely no reason, but look like a complete schmuck. I feel like he, that's all he does in the WWE, though. And I love John Stewart. I love John Stewart to death. You yes, know. I don't like WWE John Stewart. No, I don't want to see him. Didn't he over. cost Reigns the belt or something? He cost uh, Cena the belt. Cena the belt. Some yeah. shit. Yeah, I, listen, man. I, I can go without it. Yeah. Um. So that was a wash of a match. Ambrose versus Ziggler. That was a wash of a match. You want to talk about a match that... Look, Ambrose Just not and Ziggler. not enough time. No, it wasn't, and that's weird. You have a five-hour show and you don't have enough time. But Ambrose and Ziggler had the best build in terms of promo. Nobody really believed that Ziggler would win, though. And that's why I felt like they made a piss-poor decision with this match. Because even as the match started, when these two were looking like they were going to get at each other, you know, there was like a lot of animosity. Then the match happened, and it was a complete dud. And I don't know who to blame. I kind of want to blame Dean Ambrose. Because, and the finish was terrible. You know, there was no false finish. It was like, oh, dirty deeds, you're done. Yeah, it was. It had bad ring psychology. We talk about ring psychology all the time. This was horrible ring psychology. Just this was this was crap test. But then we find out why. It's because Dolph Ziggler was too busy being the KFC Colonel and chasing Miss Chicken around and hitting zigzags on him. This that oh my god, 
That was the like I said it on Twitter. It was the worst thing I've seen in the WWE since the gobbledygook when he jumped out of that fucking egg. This <laughs> having Dolph Ziggler. I mean, this is the ultimate burial of Dolph Ziggler. There, I don't know if you can get any lower on the totem pole than losing a title match and then become the colonel and have to wrestle a chicken. Like the Miz could be the chicken. The Miz is like a corporate guy, whatever. But Dolph Ziggler in the in a cor- in the colonel role. You man, better watch him. your mouth. The Miz might come after you. And we'll talk about that in a second. No shots too. fired at the Miz right now. He's dropping heat. Jesus. All right, let's move on. So we had the the six women tag match where, uh, for whatever reason, Nikki Bellas has made her return as a heel. And as then, a heel, yep. And, but it became a face on SmackDown, but whatever. We can get to that. But this was a completely useless match. Um, it was there as a vehicle for Nikki Bella because they could have canned this match and put it on the pre-show when Eva Marie was out. Yeah. But I... Whatever. This was stupid. I I don't really have any words for this. No, nah, it was dumb. Horrible placement. Uh, I understand you want a cool down match sometimes, but when you have a non-finish before it, and then Ambrose Ziggler short-timed to get this match in, it's pretty dumb. Um, just stack the card. Do what New Japan does. Do what other promotions do. And they, it's a constant build to your yep. best match. You don't need cool down matches. Keep the crowd hot. NXT doesn't have cool down matches. It's a constant build. It works. Yeah. Smarten up on the main roster. Um, so, let's move on. Finn Balor versus Seth Rollins, we talked about. I liked the match. Thought it was good. The crowd sucked because they had a cool down. <laughs> and um, I mean, they also had this ugly-ass title, too. There's, yes, the title took everyone's attention. It's like, shut the hell up about the title. We understand. It looks like the fucking game and Lil Wayne got together and designed the title. I don't it, care. Can we say that they've completely botched the Finn? I mean, granted, now he's injured, and I feel like they're going to reset him. Um, in a way, but the, the fact I told you they was gonna come out with the same ass regular ass entrance, yeah, that was completely pointless. It was whack, but now it's it's weird to say, but the injury is the best thing for Finn on the main roster. Yeah, he gets to disappear and come back with his grand return, turn and the promos and the build up, and maybe now we see flashes of the demon face, and you know Finn comes back. That's what we need. That's what she got from the get go. The slow build. And I think he gets that right between Mania. Maybe he enters the Rumble and wins it. Um, seems very formulaic, but it seems like the logical thing to do if you're going to push him again. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, enter the Rumble as the Demon. Bring back the Demon entrance for the Rumble. And then have him win it. And then just, you know, stay off TV for a while. Just stalk people. Stalk whoever the hell's the champion. Do something. But that needs a complete reset. Then we get to Rusev and Roman Reigns. Which wasn't was- a match. This was an insult more than anything else. You put the U.S. title match ahead of your universal title match? It and wasn't I, I, a title match. It wasn't a match. It wasn't, but I, it was just pointless in its placement. It did nothing for either person. Um, it made Rusev look weak, actually. And it was dumb. This was dumb. I don't know. They love Roman just beating the shit out of people for no apparent reason. Um, what up, Vince? That's <laughs> definitely like his favorite thing to script. Uh, and then after that... Who do we have? We have Lesnar the main event, or- Lesnar yeah. Orton. The match itself was like, okay, whatever. No, no spots popped out at me, really. Um, what We had the RK on the table. Yeah, nothing happened. This match was of no consequence to anything except for Randy Orton's head. That's it. And then Lesnar, that's one thing. We were watching, we were like, damn, that elbow was strong. Yeah. And then next thing you know, he's bleeding everyone. Was like, damn, like, it looked like a real elbow. But it was so unnecessary. Like it did. Th- this should have been, you know, before How Rusev reigns. That elbow. 
How what? How planned was that elbow? I dude, I don't know. I think I think you know, <laughs> Randy and Brock had agreed, you know, t- to getting some color. I feel like Randy was like, yeah, yeah, I'll get some color. And then Brock was like, I'll give you some color, motherfucker, and just laid it into him. I don't think Randy expected that. Like, that was, it makes you feel like, you know, we talk about, we're going to talk about Rollins hurting Finn Balor in this match with a buckle bomb. And hurting everyone with the buckle bomb, including himself. Right. I mean, he's hurt everybody with the buckle bomb. He broke John Cena's nose. Seth Rollins is becoming a problem. He's a hazard. You know, I love but, him as a wrestler. He's a hazard. But what Brock Lesnar did in this match, I felt like it was completely unnecessary. Storyline-wise, everything-wise, it made no sense. And it made me, it, it didn't cheapen the attraction of Brock Lesnar, but it made me feel like we can do without it. Because if we get all this build to this, because think about it. This is two times in a row. Between this match? And the Ambrose match. The Ambrose match. And let's be clear here. The match with The Undertaker at WrestleMania where he beat him wasn't a good match. It was a shocking finish. And he ran over John Cena. He had a great triple threat match, right? But you start looking at these things, you're like, is Brock Lesnar really as valuable in the ring as we are thinking he is? He is not. He's not. Not, not with all this talent on the roster. He's and wasting Randy, a spot. Come yeah. up off that. He's the, he's the sideshow attraction. Like, Randy Orton should have went over in this match. It would have made more sense because Randy Orton wrestles day in and day out. Yeah. It, this, this, to me, didn't make any sense how this was booked. Furthermore, like, there was no Wyatts in this program at all. Like, there was, like, this was, SummerSlam sucked, all right? With the exception <laughs> of John Cena and AJ Styles, SummerSlam was just, it was a cool thing for us to have a party and a get-together, but there that was, was the best part. Yeah, the, there were times where I, all, I looked at us and all of us were, like, looking at our phones. And that's, we didn't do that during TakeOver. No, not at all. TakeOver, we're glued. This, we're like, all right, whatever, we can go without it. Um, so we gotta, Let's talk like, about, yeah, like, yeah. two backstage things before... You know, we quickly recap Raw and get the hell out of here. But first off, before we touch on the Miz's crazy promo, there was talks of Jericho beasting up on Brock Lesnar backstage. Well, yeah. I mean, I I guess when you see somebody bust somebody like that open and you're working in this business, I mean, nobody wants 10 staples in the head. Nah. And Jericho, Jericho's, is he the new undertaker? Is old man Jericho now the policeman of the locker room? I feel like he's the OG. So, is I mean, I wonder if Undertaker would have done the same thing. Oh, I mean, Undertaker would have just smacked his ass around. You know Taker. Taker don't like, play that shit. That, that little thing, whatever happened backstage between Jericho and Lesnar, it seems like there was a little bit of miscommunication that led to this, this little shoving thing. But it's true, man. It's like you're, you're an attraction. You come in and you're just kind of busting guys open. It doesn't make any sense. You know, and I don't think – and even though Orton's, you know – you got to give him credit because he's a dude that's not going to be like, man, he hit me too hard. He's going to be like, no, 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 it's cool. But it wasn't cool. That shit wasn't cool. Nah, it's, it's, on, on the real, that's some real shit. Like, you didn't even do that in UFC, my man. Yeah. And you were throwing elbows all damn day. You didn't bust Mark Hunt open. True. Just don't come so, cracking cantaloupes here, you know, twice a year. Yeah, unnecessary. Um, and then, yeah, then we have The Miz versus Daniel Bryan after SmackDown. Shoot interview. Good Lord. All right, so you watched the whole segment, right? Yeah, I watched the whole segment. I was glued to that shit. So it was almost bizarre how quickly things escalated. And, and to put it in perspective, there's so much history between The Miz and Daniel Bryan from back when Miz was... Miz put him over. It, well, he was Daniel Bryan's coach on NXT, yeah. and people were pissed that Bryan Danielson, the guy from the Indies, the best wrestler in the world three years in a row on Pro Wrestling Illustrated... Has the Miz as his coach, and it, I felt like this animosity has been building for so long and culminated at this exact 
moment. To be honest, in retrospect, The Miz was the best coach for him because he wasn't missing wrestling. If you, honest to God, wanted a coach, he needed some personality. Exactly. No, it, it all so makes sense. They, they paired him with the correct guy because The Miz has personality in fucking waves. But think of it like this, right? You're The Miz and you're looking at social media and all these people, these diehard wrestling fans are trashing you because you're Daniel Bryan's coach, right? So all these years have passed. Daniel Bryan, like Miz has been champion, but Daniel Bryan's been the bigger star. And Dan, but now Daniel Bryan's gone. And they get into this segment and Daniel Bryan calls Miz a coward. And Miz just loses his fucking mind. Yeah, and I didn't think it was that bad. But Miz obviously, listen, it's what the hell he thinks. And Maurice was like, uh, get me out of here. Renee Young, too. She was like, oh, there's this. Whoa. Yeah. This I is love, going I too love far. how he just shut Renee Young down, though. He was like, oh. hold on. Sorry, Renee. We're talking. I was like, damn. Yo. Sit down. <laughs> People want to call this a you know a work, but I feel like it worked into a shoot. Like, I feel like Daniel Bryan was supposed to say what he was supposed to say. It was, I don't think he was necessarily supposed to call Miz a coward. And I just think Miz has been fed up with dealing with the backlash from being around Daniel Bryan all these years. So when Daniel Bryan attacked him and called him a coward, Miz looked at it like, bullshit, I'm still here. I'm still wrestling. You don't like my style? I'm still here every night. And it worked for the company. Good Lord. And then he said to take his ass to the bingo halls because basically Miz is basically insinuating like if you really wanted to wrestle, you can go wrestle indies. They'll clear you. WWE won't clear you. If you really love that ring... Go wrestle for those fans. You and don't need this. That shit. was some true shit. It was. And that was the realest shit I ever wrote. Like, man. I was like, man, like, lost in all the craziness and yelling. Like, he's honest to God, right? Like, if you wanted to wrestle, you could wrestle. It was, man. <laughs> like, just go wrestle for three years and ROH come back and be like, yo, I've been wrestling for three years. Give me it's, my contract back. Like, yeah. I'm fine. Uh, I didn't die. Unbelievable. I don't know what this leads to. I mean, there, there's some speculation where I think is ridiculous that Daniel Bryan's been cleared to wrestle, which is absolutely not true. But there is there. Not man, true, but that'd be some shit. Yeah. There. Uh, whew. But no, man. I don't. I don't know how you. Do, I mean, does it lead to Daniel Bryan, you know, trying to screw the Miz over and get the belt off of him? Maybe it leads to you know a debut. Of an NXT guy. Um, yeah. You know, maybe, you know, Shinsuke does come up. You know, there's been times when people come up with the NXT title that, whatever. NXT's taped. You can do both. Right. Um, Maybe, you know, Joe wants his rematch with Shinsuke and he goes over on Shinsuke. But before then, maybe, you know, Daniel Bryan's like, Miz, you have a surprise opponent for Backlash on the 11th. And Nakamura's music hits. And he could be the first person to hold two titles simultaneously. You yeah. want to be a star. That's how you make a star. I mean, we'll figure belts. it out. <clears throat> but Miz is, is, is hotter than he's ever been right now. They got to take advantage of this. Um, the Miz has been great for a couple months, though. Yeah, no, he has been. This was just like the pinnacle of everything. So we'll see how this plays out. I got to get ready to get out. I got to go to Den's point. So we got about you know five to ten minutes to run through Raw and SmackDown really quick. Um, and let's talk about Raw. Finn gives the belt back. That's one thing. Um, then they decide to have somewhat of a tournament, like a, a four-way match or something. <laughs> I don't know what Just this to is. highlight Rollins getting an opportunity to be in another four-way match. So, I don't think, I think the smart thing to do would be to put the title on Kevin Owens. 
We're in that weird position between. Is he in that four-way match now, though? Yeah, he won. So we're in this weird period, which happens all the time with his transitional champions between September and January, because Survivor Series is no longer like a big four. And usually the title can end up on somebody to see how he does with the title. I feel like this is the time to put the title on Kevin Owens. Because Seth Rollins, I think they're going to punish him for hurting everybody. Yeah, I, I think he's you know he's a great worker and he's been a great champion, but he can't keep hurting people. So yeah. I think they're going to definitely just, you know, Seth, you got to take this L real quick. You know, you're not going to take the pin, but you ain't going to get the belt. I think Roman Reigns is still in the doghouse. So I don't think he's going to get the title. If they put that shit back on Roman, it's just... That would be disgusting. <laughs> and Big Cass, absolutely not going to win. What the um, hell is he doing in there? It's Vince. This is what I talk about when you say Vince stuff. Vince, seven foot tall, big guy. You can't Vince teach is, that. This is this is his Kevin Nash. This is his Kevin Nash. Oh Poor man's God. Kevin Nash. Yeah, and, he can't and, win. Yeah. So that leaves Kevin Owens to win this title. And I think if because if you're running with a new era theme, and you know Finn Balor was your champion, who's supposed to usher in the new era. I think it makes sense to put it on Kevin Owens, a guy who was completely different than any other champion that we've seen in recent memory. Oh Luke, yeah. You know, little fat Kevin guys. Owens, Kevin Owens will surprise the shit out of him because he'll carry that title and carry the company. It, it'll it'll be eerily reminiscent of CM Punk's run as champion when he was a heel against Jeff Hardy. Yeah. Because nobody really realized. In that locker room, apparently, nobody really understood the p- potential of CM Punk until he got that title and ran that program with Jeff Hardy, and they just let him talk. Now, we all know that Kevin Owens can run. You know, he's one of the best people that can run a program like there's nobody's business. But put the title on him and watch what happens. Completely yeah. different thing. So that's, that's my pick for next week's Fatal 4-Way. I just don't see him Reigns or Rollins or definitely not Big Cass. No, I, you know... I really like that. Maybe Rollins, if they choose not to punish him that much, but I don't know. Kevin Owens is deserving. Hopefully, he gets it. Um, Bailey debuted, so that was cool. Yeah, uh, that- it looks like she's going against Charlotte. Maybe setting up like a three-way match sooner or later when Sasha comes back, right. in which they should be really good. I don't think she gets the belt this soon, but you know, for heel Charlotte, Bailey's a perfect person to establish yeah. as a super over babyface. Um, there was a interesting uh, segment where Braun Strowman was wrestling. What was his name Johnny Knockout? And uh, what? what did <laughs> I love Johnny that you Knock- remember these guys' names. Well, yeah, because also what Johnny Knockout said. Because I like greasy men. Yeah, oh. our first homosexual jobber. All right, is that the way we want to do this? I, like I mean, big sweaty men. What in the world? I mean, yo, my face. I was just like, this is unbelievable. That yo, this, the internet this went happened. crazy. I couldn't believe that was said. But anyway, so that <laughs> happened. And then we went from that, and we had Titus O'Neil completely went Shockmaster, Psycho Sid, Kalisto on us, and gave a, one of the worst in-ring promos I've ever seen. What the shit was that? That's his farewell. Like, that, that's the <laughs> last lasting moment of Titus O'Neil's career. That's a damn shame. We're going to be talking about Titus O'Neil 20 years from now. You're going to be like, remember that shitty promo he cut? Oof, that was bad. That's just the cherry on top of him getting cut. I don't and care then, if he's man of the year every damn year. Then we cap it all off with what I thought was going to be the Dudley's retirement that would lead into Bubba Ray turning into Bully Ray from TNA and going on a singles run and turning on Devon. But no, the Dudley's are really free agents, and they got their ass kicked by Gallows and Anderson to close the show. What the shit was this? Yeah, um, I, I think Devon goes away. I think Bubba Ray comes back as a solo guy. Uh, because once again, the tag team retired, not them as solo people. 
Well, they're they're legit free agents in real life. Oh, like indie free agents. Yeah, like they didn't resign. Oh, that's the real shit then. Um, I don't know. Where do they go? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, me personally, I've always felt like they should go to New Japan. I'd love to see the Dudleys in New Japan and work with like the Briscoes. I'd just love to see it. Um, Dudley's it, Briscoes would be an amazing match anywhere. Yeah. Um, damn, we didn't even talk about Death Before Dishonor. Holy shit. I guess we'll have to save that because that was, whew, that ROH show was pretty damn good with Adam Cole and Jay Lethal. But don't have time this week. All right, let's um, touch on SmackDown. Yes. Uh, just a couple new belts debuted. SmackDown, yes. first off, is the better <laughs> program right now. If you yes. guys are watching Mondays instead of Tuesdays, you're losing your damn mind. Listen, Tuesday has the thinner roster. It has two shitty new titles because those titles are horrendous looking. Hey, the blue with the nickel ain't bad. It looks bad. It's better than it, the copper. The tag teams are terrible, except for American Alpha. The women's division is super thin, yet I'm more intrigued with this show. <laughs> it's inexplicable. You know why you're more intrigued? It's because they took the lead writer from NXT and made him the lead writer on SmackDown. So even it's, though everyone is shitty, he's still a pretty good writer. Dude, it's a, it's a two-hour show, and the fact that, you know, now, like, the little AJ Styles, Dolph Ziggler thing was great, I thought... Um, Putting AJ Styles over to be the next title contender, I feel like this hopefully will lead to a um, a rebranding of Dolph Ziggler in some way. Tired of losing, sells the soul of the devil. I don't know what he's got to do. But Dolph Ziggler's <laughs> too good to be held back, and there's no use for him as a face anymore. He's got to go heel. He's got to do something different. But AJ Styles cements himself as the number one contender. I just feel like there's – how the hell does he not go over on Dean Ambrose? He just beat John Cena. He beat John Cena. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, man. He's the face of the company. Like, they openly say it. Yeah. He's now the guy there. Like, I don't know. You can't. Ambrose did what he was supposed to do. He carried the belt over to the promotion. He's had a nice run. I was hoping that he had a run. As long as he had one, I'm okay. But now it's time for Styles because Styles is clearly the number one guy on that side. And we saw, like, maybe a preview between or- Orton and Wyatt. Which, I don't mind that. I, I'll watch it. No, that's a good feud. Yeah, that's not bad at all. But I think Orton, you know, in the long run goes over, setting up him versus Styles for the yeah. title. And that's a real main event caliber feud. Yeah, that, that, that'll that be an excellent feud. Because, you know, say what you want about Randy Orton, but the guy, when he, he knows when to turn it up. He's had some boring matches in the past, but he knows how to crank it up when it's absolutely necessary. And I feel like we're on to some good things. If you're not watching SmackDown, you're fucking up. Um, I just wish they had a, a little bit more people, a few more guys on the roster. And then we had the whole Miz and Daniel Bryan thing. This is all, you know, SmackDown. SmackDown's the better show. It's more, it's better to watch. I, it's easier to tolerate. Better program. We'll see uh, how the pay per view goes. Now we're gonna get two every month, except for the big four. Yeah, there's too many pay per views. It's whatever. a shitload of wrestling, but you're gonna have to watch it because we got to talk about it. Yeah, that's um, true. But right now you got to run. I have to do some work. Wait, wait, we got to talk boxing. Oh, Errol Spence beat up uh, Leonardo <laughs> Bundu by knockout. Errol Spence needs to get a title shot. He's too damn good. He, and uh, Shakir Stevenson lost a gold medal match. So Olympic, you know, Andre Ward's still the only American Olympic gold medalist. Of that was the crushing for Shakir, though. Yeah, well, he lost the fight, whatever. Clarissa Shields won gold for the women. I wish there was some pro women that she could beat up, but there's not. That's boxing. Toodaloo. <laughs> I'm going to cut that piece. Wait, we got to talk boxing. <laughs> like really this is what we're doing now <laughs> it was just man it was just really nothing to talk about i love the speed recap uh yeah. but that's our show for this week make sure you guys follow us on all social media platforms at the corner lsn by now you know i'm at kel dansby on everything yeah and i'm at andreas hill and that's our show for this week 
Until next week, we're out. Peace.
Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.